0: With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech.
1: As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. vs. China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Allie. And this is Josh. And, and we're we are the, are the Five couple.
0: couple. And this is the Earn and Invest podcast.
2: Burnout. It's common in healthcare professions or even for anyone in the service industry. I got my first inklings of such feelings my second year of residency. Alone at midnight in the ICU, I helplessly watched a patient die who shouldn't have. From that day on in my late 20s till my mid-40s, I did just about everything to maintain my career as a physician, although it was making me miserable. I was lucky not to be crushed under the weight of medical school debt and even developed a savvy financial plan. My escape hatch came with the discovery of the financial independence community and the realization that I had enough money. But why did it take so long? What if I had addressed the burnout issue immediately? What if I had crafted the life I wanted before I became financially independent? Would that have even been possible? Well, our guest today, both in actions and words, say that it is. Allie and Josh graduated college filled with hopes and dreams and two degrees in human services. Faced with $100,000 of debt and low-paying jobs working too many hours, they desperately searched for a way out. In less than two years, they paid off $50,000 of debt, bought two properties, and began investing in the stock market. They branded themselves the FI couple, and in less than a year have garnered over 70,000 social media followers. Josh and Allie, welcome to earn and invest. Josh clarify something for me. In the intro I mentioned that you paid off 50 of $100,000 of debt and then bought properties and started investing in the stock market. Did you actually start investing before you paid off all your debt and if so why?
1: Yeah, yeah, no we did and and that number now actually is actually above 70,000. We've been really cranking lately. So For us, as you mentioned, as human service professionals, we both had a passion for the work that we did, but there weren't necessarily the highest paying jobs. And so when we started figuring out how we were going to tackle our debt, earning more income wasn't necessarily in the cards for either one of us. And so we thought, well, if we can't earn more right away, how can we lower our expenses? And we learned that by investing in real estate, we could dramatically lower our expenses, which would then help pay off student loans.
2: So it was put a little money in as opposed to putting them towards student loans with the hope of paying things off faster.
0: It was kind of scrape every dollar we have instead of going on a honeymoon. Yes, to to try to aggressively pay down that debt. And it paid off a lot for us.
2: You know, Ali, what about YOLO? I mean, You only live once, right? And you are young people. You just worked really hard. I mean, to quote you, actually, you were sold on the college dream and you just went and fought it out and got your degrees. And now you're going to forego your honeymoon to make more money. I mean, that seems kind of harsh
0: it it was a little bit josh was the person who really discovered the financial independence movement and real estate investing and all of this and i kicked and screamed along the way <laughs> uh, i um i was i was not excited i really felt like we were ruining our lives and i suffered from the comparison game of seeing all of the people around us having these wonderful vacations and homes and cars and all of these things and My brain had been programmed to think that way my whole life. So it was hard to get out of that narrative. And I remember the whole time Josh would just say, like, this is not me. This is a byproduct of our debt in our financial situation. And these are the steps that we need to take to better our lives. But the cool thing is, is that a year later, we did go on a honeymoon. We went on a two-week road trip across California, but we used our investments to help us pay for it. And we were able to pay for the trip in cash. So we were able to do it, but we kind of ate the cereal before we had the marshmallows.
2: Josh, tell me how that first conversation with Allie went when you're like, okay, this is not me. But you also know her, and you're hearing what she says. And hey, you know we've done the hard work. Don't we deserve this stuff? How did it feel to you? And how did you broach that conversation?
1: The conversation initially did not go well. <laughs> despite knowing despite knowing my partner very well, I wasn't really speaking her language when it came to the math of financial independence, the why of financial independence. I was just I had just read, the books, the podcasts, I became completely obsessed. And I brought all the Excel sheets and was like, you know, this is what we're going to do. And you have to sell your car and we have to go buy an old house. So I I didn't do very well in the beginning.
0: Josh like whipped out the Excel sheet and is like a human fire hydrant. I mean, when he gets excited about something, he goes all in and he's talking about this and he's like, you're going to sell your car. We're going to be landlords. I want you to quit your job because you don't have to work your whole life away. And I'm like, I just spent like $35,000 on a master's degree. I'm not gonna quit my job until I'm 65 because that's what you do, right? So it was really hard to try to shift all those narratives in one conversation. It wasn't gonna happen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Josh, talk about that learning curve because I found this too. What happens is one spouse or one pair of the couple has a period of learning and kind of jumps ahead And so they're in the middle of their kind of evolution. And then they go and try to talk to their spouse who's at the beginning, and you're not really speaking the same language.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And what's great though is that there are many other people who have gone through the path of like financial dependence long before I. And so I got all that information and it wasn't working. And so I went back to the books and the podcast of how can I talk about this with my spouse more congruently? And that's kind of where I learned. Instead of focusing on the what, meaning like, you know, real estate and index funds, focusing on the why. And so Allie and I sat back down and we really examined the life we were living. We listed out all the things that make us the happiest. And we really asked ourselves, the life that we're living right now, is it allowing us to do the things that we love? And it was a definitive No. And then from there, it was, this is how living in a different way, paying off debt and investing can give us more time to do the things that we love. And after that, I think we were way more on the same page.
2: Ali, are we sold a false set of goods? I mean, it sounds like you bought into this college dream idea.
0: I feel like America runs on debt. And we are sold this belief that to be a successful adult, and like you look at the history, like rooted in the American dream in the 1950s and all of these things, but yes, you get the single family home. You have 2.5 kids. You have your dream career that you love going to every day until you're 65 and you get to take 1.1 vacation a year. Like all of those things that felt like that is what success looks like. That is what my friends are doing. That is what my parents did before me. That's what I want to do. And it was really, really hard to detach myself from that because I don't think I ever allowed myself to think that my life could look differently. I thought by default, that's what life looked like because I didn't know any alternative. And it took years to detach myself from that mentality and to be okay with doing it differently. But once I did, and I say this a lot, I feel like I finally started to dream again. I finally started to have these big lofty dreams and these crazy things that I wouldn't have even known could exist in my reality. So it's been very freeing and very exciting, but it was very hard to get to the point where I am mentally now and where we are in terms of our mindset and the choices that we make.
2: Josh, what Ali really is talking about is struggling with identity. And I faced the same issue as a doctor. I didn't have the same financial issues, right? Because the amount of money you could make as a doctor was much higher. But certainly the lifestyle and the burnout and the freedom, the amount of hours. Josh, let's say you didn't make the pivot. Tell me what your lives would have looked like with the degrees that you had. What kind of salaries would you have made? What would have been some of the difficulties of that lifestyle?
1: salary wise, I think even despite having a master's degree, I don't think either one of us would have made it much above $60,000. Maybe, you know, after 20, 25 years from now, maybe we would have started kind of getting closer to like the 70 or 80,000. But that's also the byproduct of, you know, 60, 70 hour work weeks, etc. As far as and we've talked about this, like if we hadn't made a change, what would what our lives looked like? And I don't think, I think we would have survived through it. You know, love would have pulled us through it. But as far as like physical and mental health, I don't think they would have gotten much better.
0: That life scares the crap out of me. What that life would have been. We were spending more than we were earning. We were not high income earners. We were renting an apartment we couldn't afford. We were making car payments that really weren't crazy. But again, we couldn't afford because we were so deeply in debt. And I know for me, like I was working a very high burnout job. So there were all of these pieces and we were kind of going through again because we thought that's what it was. But the idea of ever going back to that reality, sometimes what we're doing, I'm like, this is so hard, I just want to give up, right? But then I think of the alternative and going back to that reality. And that scares me way more than the challenges we face now, so.
2: Josh, tell me about your financial models. So you- and Allie obviously grew up, grew up with parents and families that taught you about finances. You bought into this college dream, and at some point you said, "Okay, this is not working." Did you have any modeling in your families to say, "Oh, I could be an entrepreneur. I could step away from that prescribed or even academic lifestyle and do things differently?"
1: Yeah. So. For me, modeling didn't exist growing up. It wasn't parents. It was a single parent, a single mom with three kids. We grew up incredibly impoverished, You know, food stamps and welfare and soup kitchens. And I, higher education wasn't even something that was discussed because it was just something that rich people did. I had no intentions of actually going to college until uh, a friend of mine, his mom, let me know of an educational program for disadvantaged youth. And i had never heard of the college and my first time going to the college was my first week of classes. So I kind of stumbled into it in that regard. So I, I came from a very, very different background as Allie, but what I will say is coming from, you know, next to nothing, the only thing you have is hope and dreams because the reality of the situation can be so bleak. And so I think the entrepreneurial kind of start of our of our relationship kind of started with me just because again, growing up, how I grew up, that's all I had to to work towards. Allie, did you have different
2: financial modeling?
0: I did. We grew up in very different circumstances. I grew up in like a you know, your typical middle-class family. I had all of my needs met. College was always a thing that was going to happen. I felt like I was being savvy by going to state school, even though I still wound up with a ridiculous amount of debt. But I remember growing up, And having my mom really impressed the importance of a job with security, get a state job and have benefits and have a pension and all of that, because I saw how my parents struggled a lot financially. So I feel like I had some fundamentals with you need to save, you need to get a stable job. And I think that's why when Josh pushed the financial independence narrative, it was so scary to me because my whole life I was socialized. Like you need to, I did, I got a stable school social worker job and I had a pension and I had great benefits. So it was really hard to think about life without those things that I was conditioned to believe I needed.
2: Josh, as I listen to you guys, it hits me that maybe from your background, you felt, hey, I've got nothing to lose and only I can only go up. Whereas Allie, it sounds like from your upbringing, there was a lot of fear of what you could lose.
0: That's spot on. Exactly. It, And I think because Josh came from an upbringing where he really did have nothing to lose, Josh has always been like the dreamer in the relationship and the one that's like, let's push it to the next level. Let's try this. And I definitely think I've been more reserved and kind of pull him back. But I feel like it creates this beautiful balance because if we followed through on everything that Josh wants to do, <laughs> we'd probably be in a bad situation. Oh, yeah. um But if we listen to me, we would like never do anything. So it's a real really nice balance where I think Josh dreams a lot and I help ground him. So it works.
2: Josh, we talk a lot about mindset and we always say the hardest thing is the change in mindset. But I think if you're at this point where your mindset is just changing, actually what you get tripped up on is the tactics. You just don't know what the first step should be. Tell me what it looked like for you. So you guys obviously had this mindset journey you eventually ended up on this journey together. But how did you know, like, what's the first step? Okay, I want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe I'm interested in real estate. Maybe I want to put money in the stock market. I definitely want to pay off my debt. How did you know the
1: first thing to do? So entrepreneurship was kind of thrust upon me because fortunately, I got fired unexpectedly. It was something i had always thought of maybe launching my own business, but I got very, we had a lot of debt. And I was in a job for, I was working up my way up through the ranks. And so it was like, oh, it's a bad time to, to leave and launch my own business when conveniently I got fired. So that kind of thrust me into entrepreneurship a little bit. And then, you know, it was, it was kind of rudimentary in the sense that, well, our incomes are not great, so we can't really increase those. How can we decrease our expenses And the only thing seemed viable, Other, we'll we'll sell our car, which got rid of the car, and then housing was our largest expense, and the stock market wasn't going to radically change our lives. But we found a book that taught us about the concept of house hacking, and just doing back of the envelope math, I said, well, if we move out of this luxury apartment, and we live into that 100-year-old duplex, our rent will be a lot lower, which is a really big pay increase for us. Allie, did real estate
2: feel maybe a little safer, or at least house hacking? Did that feel almost like it was a safer way to get into entrepreneurship for you?
0: Nothing felt safe. I was (laughs) literally, I'm like a generally anxious person, and everything felt terrifying and overwhelming. And the idea of investing in real estate felt like a really huge leap. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Like, how could we possibly do this? But I think the more we pulled those levers and went through the motion of let's go look at homes, let's go analyze deals, it normalized it. We talked to other investors, it normalized it. And at the end of the day, you need a place to live. So when you buy a duplex, you live into one unit, someone is paying you rent every month. It's not that scary and complicated, but I think sometimes again, we can build things up to be scarier or bigger than they really are. So I don't want to simplify it. There's been challenges with real estate investing, but it certainly, I think for anyone looking to get into real estate investing, house hacking to me is one of the best ways to get started.
2: Josh, was real estate always going to be a big part of the plan, or was it like, ah, this is an easy way to get started? Let's just go here. Did you have a bigger real estate plan at that time?
1: Not at all. It was very like, all right, we need to pay off this debt. What's the fastest way to pay off that debt? This will lower our cost of living. And then, you know, there was no real aspirations beyond that. It was just very kind of like rudimentary in that sense. And then it worked in the sense that our, our rent was now, it went from almost $1,300 a month down to $300 a month. So now we had a very, we had breathing room for the first time in probably like six years and then started seeing the compounding effect of, well, we're not spending as much, we're paying off these student loans. And getting the getting that rental income was the first income either of us had earned not working a job. And that kind of then really gave us the taste of investing for more income and then also some level of entrepreneurship.
0: And I think even still, I don't consider us like mega real estate people, Mm -hmm. like real estate is one piece of the puzzle and it's an amazing income stream for us, but we have no aspirations to own hundreds of units or have that be our full-time gig. We would be very content with a modest-sized portfolio that we could eventually pay off. And and that's what feels good for us.
2: So Allie, I'm going to ask you how long it took for you to go from hearing about financial independence and freaking out to being comfortable with it, but I'm going to do it in a little different way. At what point did you stop bugging Josh to go get a job?
0: Hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to think timeline. Okay. Thinking out loud, we probably started talking about really financial independence in like the spring of 2018. So, like you learned about like Dave Ramsey and all those other things in 2017. But I feel like we really started actively communicating about it more in like the winter spring of 2018.
1: Right. And I'll tell you something that's kind of cool. So I got fired January of 2018. And my knee jerk reaction was, well, I got to get a job. We're getting married in nine months. Allie actually was like a huge supporter of if there was a time to take a chance, because I've been talking about it for like two years. she was like, if there's a time to take a chance, it's now you have a couple months to hopefully you can figure it out. If not, like we well, got to get a job.
0: And I'm going to pivot your question a little bit. I think I was always very supportive of Josh's entrepreneurship because when he worked for an employer, I felt like he did not have a good work-life balance. It wasn't a good situation for him. So I really was excited for him to take that leap. I'm going to frame it as when did I stop bugging Josh to get a single family home? Because even the second <laughs> that we got into that house hack, I'm like, okay, we house hack ones. When do I get my nice little McMansion, right? And then we got our second house hack and I was like, we're living for free. What? Like that was really cool. So now like, I feel like the second house hack, I had true, true proof of concept and buy-in and I totally drank the Kool-Aid and I was all about it. And it was just like, yeah, this is amazing. We should buy more real estate. Like I see the power of it. So I saw that proof of concept.
2: The change of mindset, the paying off debt, the realizing you could be entrepreneurs. That's all one thing. You eventually also pivoted to a brand, the Phi Couple brand. How did that come about? Like, When did it go from, hey, we're doing this really cool thing to, hey, let's talk about it in social media and build a name for ourselves?
0: We closed on our second duplex in September of 2020. And I woke up around that time in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m. And I was like, Josh and I should start a social media channel to document our journey to financial independence. And I remember waking you up and you were like disoriented because it was 3 a.m. And genuinely, I think you thought it was like what? The dumbest idea. It was
1: a terrible <laughs> idea. He thought, it,
0: <laughs> he thought it was a terrible idea. He's like, no one's going to care about what we have to say. Like, that's stupid, Allie. But the thing is, like, we've listened to so many podcasts, we've read the books and all of this stuff. And I feel like very often in the financial independence movement, you hear the person who either had a solid financial backbone, they didn't make like a whole lot of financial blunders, they had a high income, they were able to kind of follow this nice trajectory. And I'm like, We were like hot messes in our 20s. We made so many financial mistakes. We did not have a solid background. We were low income earners. We had a ridiculous amount of debt. The odds were kind of stacked against us. And I feel like I wanted to share that story because when we listened to podcasts and when we read the books, I didn't see myself or hear my story. And I wanted to share that like you can reach your goals, even if, even if you have made mistakes, you have tons of debt, you don't have a background in this. So I don't know. I think, I think it's resonated with people and it's been really incredible to build this brand together.
2: Josh, I love the role reversal. 2018, Josh goes to Allie. Hey, Allie, I discovered this financial independence thing. Isn't this great? Oh, that's stupid. Two thousand and twenty Allie goes to Josh, hey, we should really talk about this on social media. Josh replies,
1: This is stupid.
0: <laughs> We're really supportive of each other i guess
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: there's, there's a lot of balancing there and and it's funny too, because throughout this whole process, I think when it comes to like real estate and like the stock market and index funds, I have just like an entire library of books and podcasts like proof of concept i'm like this will work. And here's all the reasons why social media was a complete new endeavor for us. Neither one of us in our personal lives have we have social media, but we don't use it. So this was like a completely foreign concept. And so for me, like this was actually really scary because I, I didn't have as many podcasts or books. I can say, like, here's a hundred stories of this is how it worked out. This was completely new. Josh, what was most scary about it for you? I think it comes back to imposter syndrome because Mm -hmm. we branded ourselves as the five couple and yet we're not financially independent yet. We're not quote unquote there. And so I said to myself, well, who's going to want to listen to us or get value from us if we're not yet there? And it turns out a lot of people, and I think kind of our calling card a little bit is, you know, we're not yet financially independent, but we're a few steps ahead of where we were three years ago. And we, we know what it was like three years ago. We're still very much in the climb, as it were. I think a lot of people can relate to that.
2: Allie, I want to talk more about the Phi Couple brand in a moment, but help me here. Josh said we're not quite there. We're not financially independent. How do you define financial independence for you guys?
0: I guess for us, when we consider financial independence, we want our nine to five work to be completely optional. It's definitely not like sitting on a beach drinking cocktails. It's just having the power of choice. It's the power of choice over your time, the work you do, having assets in place to pay for your costs of living and spending time with the people that matter most. That's what financial independence looks for like for us.
2: We are talking with Josh and Allie from the FI couple. This is the Earn and Invest podcast. I'm Doc G. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a moment. that's dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Did you struggle when you first started investing? I know I did. Not only did I not know what to invest in, but also where to go. That's why I'm excited to tell people about Public.com. At Public.com, you can start with small slices of shares, invest in what you believe in with any amount of money. But it's not just a place to invest, but also a social platform. You can exchange ideas and insights with a community of investors and build your own portfolio with confidence. I used to worry a lot about safety. That's why I was excited to see that at public.com you can invest with built-in educational features that help you learn as you go and invest safely with volatility reminders that let you know investments like crypto are a little bit riskier. Start investing with as little as $1 and get a free slice of stock up to $50 when you join public.com today. Visit public.com slash E-A-I to download the app and sign in using code E-A-I. That's public.com slash E-A-I and code E-A-I. This is valid for U.S. residents 18 and older, subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. Let me reintroduce Josh and Allie. They are the Phi couple. They graduated college filled with hopes and dreams and two degrees in human services jobs, as well as $100,000 in debt. They decided to pivot when they discovered financial independence. Josh, I want to talk more about your brand. Part of what I see on your website is you guys do financial counseling and you do social media counseling too. And I know there are a lot of naysayers and they look at people like you and they say, wow, you guys are really young to be giving out financial advice or even to be giving out social media advice. We talked about imposter syndrome before. How do you respond to those type of criticisms?
1: Yeah, I think there are people who their needs, whether it be financial or social media or business, far exceed the the knowledge and resources that we have. But we also are finding that there are a lot of people who don't need a "Quote unquote expert," whether it become whether it be investing or with social media, more so they just need someone who can kind of teach them the ABCs of either.
0: We talk a lot in terms of finding a mentor or a coach, and I really think the best mentor for you is someone that's just a few steps ahead of you because they have the proof of concept. They are close enough to the situation where they understand the steps that they took. They understand the emotional challenges and everything in between. So for us, we're not working with mega investors or anything like that. We're looking with folks that are looking to take control of their finances or people that are looking to figure out how to analyze deals. Because when we got started in 2018, we didn't have anyone to help us with that. We, were, we, we listened to the podcast, we read the books, but we didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And I remember crying and being like, I wish we just had someone to like hold our hand, tell us we're not ruining our lives, tell us everything's going to be okay, help us analyze this deal right now. We didn't know these online communities existed to that degree. So that's kind of the service and the resource that we want to be able to provide to others.
2: Josh, it reminds me that sometimes when you get advice from experts, it's not that very helpful, right? Because they are so many steps ahead of you that it doesn't seem to fit in your paradigm you guys sound like you're much more about peer counseling. Maybe you're a few steps ahead so you can help bring people to that same level. I actually find that to be quite helpful because I think the connection you have with the person you're getting advice from is so much better. Let's talk about what that financial counseling looks like. You guys have talked about real estate, house hacking. You guys have talked about index funds. What do you think is the goal asset allocation for your typical young person just coming out of college, maybe facing some of the debt problems that you guys faced?
1: We stay pretty basic. And so in terms of asset allocation, I think that's sometimes a a higher level kind of thought that a person would be focused on. If a person, if I was sitting down with someone who was in their early 20s and they came out of debt or came out of college with a lot of debt. My thought process wouldn't be so much, you know, asset allocation or types of investments. It's let's understand the situation you're in right now. Let's think about where you want to be in a few years from now. And if how does this debt, if they have that, how is that debt making them feel? Because we talk to people all the time who have sometimes greater debt than when we started with, but it doesn't cause any um, emotional stress for them and they're more than happy to just pay it off. So for them, our approach is going to be a lot different than the person who has, you know, $20,000 in debt and every single night they, it keeps them up.
0: So I think we really view ourselves as educators, right? We're not giving financial advice, but we want people to feel like they are equipped with the toolbox to take charge of their financial situation. So tracking your expenses and learning how to do that, and understanding where you can grow that gap between your income and expenses, and learning different strategies for debt pay down. Do you have an emergency fund? What are some short and long term goals? So you know, we both have mental health backgrounds too, and. You know, money is money, but most of it is behavior and mindset. So I feel like that makes us uniquely equipped to help support people in that area too. Many times when we meet people, it's not necessarily even a money problem, it's a behavior problem. So talking about that can be really helpful as well. Allie, let's go a
2: little further on this idea of whether it's a money problem or not. How important is income? I mean, I've heard you guys say that you never really expected to make six figures. Is the amount of income you make critical to this path?
0: I think that income definitely doesn't hurt, but I think Oftentimes, traditionally, with higher incomes, you have higher expenses for most people. We have friends that make well over six figures, and they are living paycheck to paycheck, right? We, at the time, were not, and we created a massive surplus every month because we figured out how to optimize our spending, our expenses, what we lived within our means. And I think that is a hard concept for people because we live in a society of instant gratification, and we want everything, and we want it now and it is really, really hard to wait and to be patient. So that is a big thing, I think.
1: And a lot of times I kind of frame it in a way of, if you think of a a great sports team, a championship sports team, it's not, well, do they just play offense or do they just play defense? Most of the best teams do both very well and they know when to um, kind of favor one over the other. And so in our case, Income in the beginning, if you will, like offense, that wasn't really the case for us. So we went defensive and we slashed our expenses as low as possible, which also as a new entrepreneur at the time was actually really nice because it gave me an opportunity to now grow my business more organically and be selective with the clientele that I took on, which then subsequently allowed me to expand that income.
2: Josh, you ever feel like you went too far that you had to reel it back in because maybe you were being too frugal or you were missing out on some things that you shouldn't?
1: Completely. <laughs> Give me an example.
0: Uh, how much time do you have? Oh,
1: uh, well, yeah, I know a hundred percent. I think it was so our our initial understanding of personal finance was like the Dave Ramsey rice and beans philosophy. And so. There was no such thing as eating out. There was no such thing as Starbucks coffee. There was um, no gym memberships, no Netflix, anything like that. It was just like cut, cut, cut. And that was not sustainable.
0: Josh, when he first discovered all of this, like truly, I love you saying this, but like he was a nightmare to live with. He he was a full nightmare because he was so stringent and so micromanaging and so protective of our finances. And I'm definitely the spender in the relationship. So that inherently created a really big rub for us. So I think it took time to understand, you know, but I think that came from a scarcity mindset of money. So transitioning to that abundance perspective of like money comes and money goes, and this is okay. That really helped. And it helped, to understand we can spend money on things that we value and that's okay too it's it's okay to loosen the reins a little bit and that's made it much more sustainable for us we get along much better it's just a more realistic sustainable mindset to have
2: so ali as i'm hearing you work through these issues you've worked through income you've worked through frugality You just recently left your nine-to-five, right? And tell me what gave you the confidence to say, okay, now I can leave that regular income.
0: Two pieces. So as I shared, I'm a school social worker. And last year with COVID starting was probably the most physically and emotionally taxing year of my career. Um, By the end of the year, I was having really intense anxiety. I was feeling depressed. I just didn't feel like myself. And I knew the signs of burnout because I'm a mental health professional. And I'm like, this is where I am. I'm not, I'm not doing well. I'm not living my best life right now. And it it was a few years ahead of schedule. I wasn't planning on leaving my full-time role. We had a plan. We were going to completely pay off our debt. I'm very like, I like making lists, right? We were going to completely pay off our debt. We were going to buy one more rental. We were going to get in a single-family home. I wanted to have a baby. So this was our plan for me to leave full-time work. But life had another plan for me. And I remember saying to Josh, like, I don't think I can do this. This is not good for me or my health. And I felt really scared about that. And then we looked at the numbers and I'm like, I couldn't leave my job though, right? I just have to like be miserable for a few more years. And he's like, Al, like, we're fine if you want to leave full-time work. And that was shocking. That was scary and shocking and amazing because three years ago, like we would have been screwed if I even considered leaving my full-time job. We needed two full-time incomes, but the debt that we've paid, the lifestyle modifications we've made and the additional income streams we've built. Yeah. We've lost some income, but we're going to be just fine. And we're going to reach our goals. And, and that's incredible. (laughs)
2: Josh, your story is inspiring. Sometimes I worry about the fact that we tend to hear the inspiring stories because they're the ones that make it to social media and make it to these platforms. And we don't hear a lot of the people who didn't do it as well. When you look at your own evolution, is it reproducible? Can your average person
1: do some of the things you guys have done? I do think so. Yeah. And, and that's actually a big reason why we kind of started sharing our story is because we feel in a lot of respects that whether it be career, college education, income, they are fairly average. We are also abundantly aware that there are resources that we've had. I mean, we've had very supportive family members um, who have been loving and very accepting. And we've had friends who even though the lifestyle we were living was very different they were really supportive we're both able-bodied people and we're able to get up and and go about and earn income in that manner and so we we do have some privileges in that regards but i think yeah i think our story is while it feels unique i do think it is you know replicatable if you will but it's not it's not an easy one and while today we're kind of talking about some of the highlights There's probably been a thousand times where we both looked at each other and we said, screw it. Nope, this is not worth it. This is too hard. We are done. We are ready to give up. That's happened more times than I can count.
2: Ali, we're talking about telling your story on social media. Tell me the role social media has played in the building of your business and in your personal life. What has that done for you building up this brand, The Phi Couple?
0: It's been pretty incredible. I think in the beginning, right, we wanted to just normalize the conversation of making average salaries, having a lot of debt, making financial mistakes, and still being able to reach your goals. And that was like tier one of why we wanted to do this. And then it was kind of like to selfishly connect with all of our financial independence idols that were like really excited to talk to. I remember we did an Instagram live with Scott trench and Josh was like barely able to contain his excitement. We chatted with Paula. Like it's, it's so cool to meet your people, right. And people that have inspired you to be where you are. So I think that was huge, but eventually along the way, we realize this isn't just a fun hobby. This isn't just like this cool thing to talk to people we love. This, this can be a real viable business and that is what it's become. And a business for good, a business where we want to empower and inspire others to make changes in their life and break from that conventional narrative of what they think it has to look like. So yeah, it's been incredible because that is one of those levers that has allowed me to leave my full-time job because we're making an income through social media, which is really cool.
2: Josh, did that surprise you? Did you think that you could make income through social media? Yeah, (laughs) no. No. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that Allie just like burst out. You can't see it because we're audio, not video, but
1: Allie just started laughing when
2: I asked that question.
1: Oh my God. No, I, again, like with my, my mindset being in like conventional business, like brick and mortar and having formally run a, a startup not-for-profit when Allie talked about the idea of even making a dollar, I was like, Allie, you take, understand this takes years, three to four years before we will make a penny from this. Cause that's just how you know, business or so I thought. That's just how business went, and and I was very wrong. So, Ali, tell me what the future of the Phi
2: Couple brand looks like. What's going to happen in the years to come?
0: I feel like it has limitless potential, and that excites me more than I can explain because prior to the five couple, it was, I get my school social work job and I work it for 30 years and I get a nice two and a half percent raise every year. And then I get a good pension at 65, right? Now with the five couple, it's like, Oh my gosh, okay. So we're doing financial coaching. We have our private community that we've built. We are recently we recently shared that we're YouTube contributors for Bigger Pockets, which was a really big goal for us. I see us maybe writing a book in the future. I really would love to write children's book about financial independence and financial fundamentals. We're thinking more of launching into creating courses and other resources for people to make financial information more accessible. We talk about wanting to like go um, to colleges and high schools and talking to kids about finance. We really just want to like give back to our community and we have a tiny little pocket of our world, but we want to make it better and we want to help people and improve financial literacy for others.
2: Josh, I'm going to ask you a very next level financial independence question here. Allie was talking about how with DeFi couple brand, the potential
1: is limitless
2: Tell me how will you know when you reach enough? What does enough look like?
1: Absolutely. And was that I mean we were literally just talking about that last night. This is a this is a day to day conversation now where you know you you start expanding into the realm of possibilities and while they feel limitless, our time, our energy is not. And so I always go back to seven habits of highly successful people and begin with the end in mind. And that's something that we always kind of keep helps keep us grounded is what is the reason we're doing this? And I think it can be very tempting to build yourself a job. And all of a sudden, you're so busy doing all these things that the people who we were four years ago who were burnt out and miserable, not doing the things we said we love very quickly, we can fall into that trap of, are we really doing the things that we love? And so, you know, time with family, time together, traveling those are all very, very large priorities for us. I think we will take on new opportunities. I'm very, very excited for those, but always being mindful of making sure we're comfortable. The work we do is more passionate about, but that we're not overdoing it to the point where we're no longer putting enough of our time and energy into the things that mean the most to us.
0: And we talk about this a lot, like the five couple makes sense for this season of our lives, right? But we always try to stay flexible. You know, income we're making from this business, we are pouring into our debt or other assets that will continue to sustain us. So the goal was always to increase income to be able to invest it. And we realized that our nine to five income wasn't gonna cut it. So we needed to get creative with other ways to improve it.
2: And Allie, I'll bring this up because you already did but you mentioned at least your previous plan had this idea of getting pregnant and having a child how do you think that will change your trajectory both with the five couple brand as well as just some of your money making activities
0: yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, eventually when we're able to get pregnant, you know, the moves that I'm making right now in terms of I did leave my full-time job, but I found a part-time school social worker job where I'm only working Mondays and Tuesdays and I get full health benefits, which otherwise through the New York State Marketplace was over $2,000 a month, which we could have budgeted for, but it's a lot of money to pay for health insurance. So that was really a nice pivot. And I think that we were looking for me to find something more flexible so that when we do have a kid, I'm home most of the week, we would need limited childcare, Josh could probably watch the baby on Mondays and Tuesdays when I go to work. I don't think it will change a whole lot. I know that kids require things and kids can cost money. But I think with everything else, we like to find that balance of being kind of minimalist, getting needs, getting some wants, but being intentional with all of that stuff.
2: Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You know, what's interesting, and I was talking to Grant Sabatier about this the other day when we were recording an episode. He made the point that every decade you have a new generation of FI or financial independence people. So I'm in my 40s, and you have our group, which is like Mr. Money Mustache and J.D. Roth and some people a little older, like J.L. Collins. And we all kind of grinded it out for years in jobs, whether we liked them or not, and used our financially savvy to become financially independent. Then there are the guys like Grant in his 30s. These are the super entrepreneurs, the social media people. They built these amazing businesses and used that as a way to become financially independent but in a lot of ways they also grinded it out maybe it's something they loved but there was a lot of hard work and time put in and now your group in the 20s seems to have taken all those great lessons and resources about financial independence but you're applying them before you get financially independent so that you are living the life you want to live now without kind of that suffering period and I certainly go back and see people of your generation and what you're doing. And I just have I'm, I'm amazing, I'm amazingly impressed with how the way you've integrated all the different things that have happened in the last few decades and have turned this into the life you want to live right now. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what's up next in your life and where people can find you if they want to learn more. Ali, tell me what's going on with not only the five couple, but you guys personally.
0: Well, as we mentioned, we are very much in the family planning phase. We can't wait to grow our family. So that's really big for us in 2022 and travel. I think with COVID, we kind of have hunkered down a lot, but we're hoping to have more flexibility to spend more time with people that matter and and to see new places in a safe way and do all of that awesome stuff.
2: And Josh, tell me the best way to interact with you, especially if people want to reach out to you, learn more about your story. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah. So Instagram is our primary platform. It's just at the Fi Couple, F-I Couple. We also have a website, www.theficouple.com. We're also very active on Twitter. Again, the Fi Couple. So those are our three uh, primary means by which people can, can connect with us. And we do have a bi-weekly newsletter now going out now that Allie has more time. And so there'll be more opportunities to, to hear from us and hear and share updates.
2: This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Josh and Allie from the Phi Couple. That's a wrap. You know who recently reached a million downloads? Well, you guys saw me bragging about that for Earn and Invest on our Facebook group. But you know who else did? My friend Chad Carson at the Real Estate and Financial Independence with Coach Carson podcast. I love this podcast. If you are interested in real estate as an asset class, it is the place to go. Not only does the coach give you the tips and tricks... To buy and sell real estate, flip houses, house hack, but he also has real life investors, proof of concept people on the show to talk about their experiences. I really love this podcast. I think you should check it out. Go to coachcarson.com. Again, that's coachcarson.com. It is the real estate and financial independence podcast. Take a listen, you won't regret it. Awesome. That was a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed that.
0: This was seriously so fun. Yes. And we've done a lot of podcasts. And sometimes you leave a podcast and you feel totally drained. And I'm like, I need to take a nap right now. And then others, it's like, oh, that was really like enjoyable. And this was like totally fun light great conversation i'm so happy we were able I, to connect I yeah think you
1: you you nailed like it was so conversational yeah you're was, such
0: a great host
1: yeah it's, it's like it's like <laughs> night and day and sometimes you know and again like everyone has their own you know style and some of them are like very like you know a b c okay check the box da, da, da and it's like okay here we go that was just so delightful
2: yeah it was really
0: <laughs> nice
1: well you guys have such an interesting story
2: and um Again, I think it really is the story of today. And so I do think we have these, I think Grant was right. I think we have these generations of people who've gone through this process and your story really highlights the best of what we've become. And so I really wanted to have that conversation. I knew through seeing you guys on social media and talking to you uh, that we could have kind of a cool conversation. Tell me, is there anything you think we didn't hit upon? Anything you're like, wow, I really wish we had a chance to talk about
1: this Hmm. um Um, honestly I would have the only thing I would say is because and I and we try to convey this through social media too is like it has been really hard at times I
0: think we shared that we
1: we did but like so I just I I don't want or like for social media um it is like a full-time job too and I don't want people to ever get the impression of like oh wow in a year you guys have 77,000 like that yeah. um, it's not holy, that easy <laughs> i know because i'm a, i've failed at social media so many times it's not easy. so hard <laughs> so, it's so hard
0: and this is, this is
1: something like my thing is like i always i don't want people to think that josh just, doesn't want
0: to sensationalize or glamorize anything right. or be like if we did it you can do because, it too
1: bingo because that right there is so prominent in social media like i think um uh carl at at economy shared that like oh, look at this 21-year-old who makes $200,000 sending selling stuff on Etsy. And I'm like, that is not normal. And yeah. like, I don't want people to think like that's social media. I
0: almost feel like there's a stigma with people that are on like Instagram or TikTok or whatever because it's like this new generation and it's kind of, I don't know, looked down upon a little bit because I think social media is, it is fake. People don't tell the whole story. It can, it, be. It can be very yeah. small. So I think there's that, but we're kind of tangenting now. I think the podcast was great. Oh, yeah, I don't, the pa- yeah,
1: the podcast was great. I just, yeah. So no, But wanted- this is,
2: I include this stuff in the after show anyway. So it's always, I always ask that because if there's anything to add on and, you know, I think what works, which I think you guys do, it's that intersection of social media and vulnerability, mm-hmm. uh, which equals authenticity, right? So It's just not authentic to smile every day and say, everything's great and I'm making millions of dollars. And some people do very well with that. But I think if you're going to last long-term, it has to be that intersection of, yes, we have these wins. And yes, we have these losses and these struggles. And kind of in that mix of vulnerability, you get to actually share who you are. Um, You know, making this podcast takes 20 or 30 hours a week. I mean, and that's, you know, you know, and- I can't even imagine like the most successful of anything, how much time it takes. And uh,
1: yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. (laughs) The last thing I'll say, too, and I'm so glad you brought it up is I feel like incredibly privileged because we've kind of like grown up, if you will, through financial independence community. Like it started with yourself, JL Collins, Carl uh, JD paula like that was yeah. like. It
2: just takes was, me out of
1: there and you got it right. <laughs> it was like this. And, and that's a big reason why I was so excited yeah. for Economy, too. Like there was this like pantheon yeah. of people who, like, that's who we learned from. Like that kind of got us into the movement, if you will. And then across the last few years, like we've learned all these other creators. And now it's like, I feel like we have such we have so many ways that we can like pick and choose. And it's like lifestyle design. It's like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, and then really like the events of the last two years, I think, um, really kind of put into perspective that like, we're like, if we wait until we're there to start living the life that we want, like there could, there could never happen, you know, something Mm -hmm. should should kind of force us to adapt. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think you
2: guys, um, you present yourself very well. I think your your social media profile is very likable. I think, but you guys also are really good communicators. Like, so I think it, you know interviewing you is easy. I mean, because you guys bounce off each other. You <laughs> you answer intelligently. Like a lot of people, I'll get experts on, and they'll actually won't even answer the questions. You ask them the question, and they just pretty much talk about what they want to talk mm-hmm. about because they don't want to try to answer questions. Very um, So <laughs> so I, I think it's not surprising your success, even though I'm sure it's been a lot of hard work. Uh, You guys are really good communicators. So it's a pleasure to watch uh, and I'm sure you will continue to grow. And uh, it's a pleasure to eat like easy interview. I mean, that was cake for me. That was, you know, that I, I, there was no struggling on my side for doing that. (laughs) So, Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money. Well, I've got the podcast for you.